Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah, ve ha'arevna Adonai Eloheinu et divrei Torateka, befinu ufi amka b'it Yisrael, v'niye anaknu, v'etza enu, v'etza etza e amka b'it Yisrael, kulanu yodea shemeka velom de Torateka, lishma, Baruch atah Adonai, Hamlamed Torah Leamo Yisrael. Baruch Haba Beshem Adonai. All right, Parsha Toldot. I am going to just take some time to be in Shavile Pinchas, Shonaf Pinchas. So this week on Parsha Toldot, Shonaf decided to talk about Yitzhak calling to Yaakov. Eight times the fr- the word Beni, which is my son. It's important to note when he calls Yaakov, who was supposed to be Asav, at this point, Yaakov looked like Asav. So really the crux of what I want to talk about today is about my son, Yaakov, who looks like Asav, and for all intents purposes, it was hoping that it was Asav because these blessings that Yitzhak called out to Yaakov were intended and solely directed and aimed at, if you will, for some Shomerman uh, vernacular, that this was aimed directly at Asav. But yet, it was a little switcheroo. We've seen that before. We've seen switcheroos when it comes to the Yom Kippur goat that's sent to Azazel. We've seen the switcheroo when it comes to Yaakov blessing Ephraim ahead of Menashe. And we also see it now in this week's Torah portion. So, you know, there's not anything new with the whole switcheroo thing. And uh, it was attempted at again when Yehuda of Kriot, known as Judas Iscariot, uh, when he tried to do a switcheroo with Yeshua. So didn't work out that time because the people who were in charge were Sadducees. And uh, though there were some Pharisees at the time, they were definitely bought out by the Roman government. So there was a whole uh, twisted plot and everything going on with the handing over of Mashiach Yeshua. And so Yehuda wanted to pay this price, which ended up being the price of a female slave, which is kind of interesting when you understand that Mashiach ben Yosef is literally the Shekinah manifest. So there's craziness on that. But, uh, you know, when you really look at that, it was like Yehuda was like, I'm going to pay the price for Yeshua to be handed over. And it's like, you know what? Wait, I don't want to do that. Let me go and give the money back and hopefully they'll give Yeshua back. And it's like, Nope, it's paid and sealed, so we don't accept your money, so uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. No, we'll just talk about it now. Okay, so here's the deal. I wanted to do this in order because, you know, as part of the the G.O. series, I called it Getting Organized, but apparently Getting Organized is about format as not really so much about insights. So, you know, we'll just, uh, we'll keep it rocking. All right, anyway. So here's what I did. I commented on this because I'm going to jump around this article quite a bit because page three is probably my most favorite page out of the whole drop 
this week. So if you have Shavile Pincus, page three, uh, he is basically combining the writings of what's known as Die Brot Shlomo, which is the words of Shlomo, which is authored by the great rabbi uh, Shlomo, the Magid of Lutz, Lutzk, Lutzk, there it is, Lutzk, and uh, of blessed memory. And he is a Talmud of the Magid of Mezrich. So if you've ever heard of the Magid of Mezrich, the preacher of Mezrich, yep, because that's what Magid means. By the way, if you haven't got a chance to check out Spooncast Radio live, um, I have begun to put some uh, some drops on there, uh, some 15-minute, well, it's supposed to be 15 minutes, but it ends up being between 15 and 20, obviously, because I'm long-winded, but uh, in there, I drop a whole uh, series about the Holy Temple and the Levites, specifically about them being a choir and the preacher to the choir aspect. So I break that all down. So if you ever heard the term Magi to the Levites, uh, preacher to the choir, basically is what that is. So when we look at the Magi of Mesorich, we have here a preacher <laughs> and his Talmud wrote this uh, beautiful piece of Jewish literature called the Debrot Shlomo. And then, uh, show enough, Pink is getting back to him. He took that and put that with uh, another piece of Jewish literature called the Yalkut Shimoni from 115. And Yalkut Shimoni uh, breaks down, he smelled the fragrance of his garments and blessed him. And it says, he sensed the scent of betrayal, those betraying him. Now, obviously, uh, Jewish literature, probably, to my knowledge anyway, Bezrat Hashem, this exists somewhere because that'd be really awesome. But Jewish literature doesn't go into Yehuda Kriot betraying Yeshua. But in this piece of Jewish literature, what it does say is descendants of Yaakov who did betray uh, the family basically betrayed our family. It says that this is Yosef of Shita, which is the greatest Jewish heretic, which is interesting because I thought Acher was, but uh, I guess not. And then it says Yak Yakum, the man from Zurot, which is so amazing because I was doing some gematria, of course, on Benny. And when you look at Benny, Benny is 62 in Gematria. But if you take Benny eight times, because in this chapter of Bereshit, Yitzhak uses the term Benny eight times in referring to Yitzhak when he's giving, or Yaakov when he's giving him the blessing. So when you say Benny eight times, it just so happens that one of the gematriot of that is Zorur. As we say in the Anabekoak, Anabekoak Gadulat Yamineka Zorur Tatur. Slika, I just, I just butchered that so bad. Tatir Zorua. Wow, Slika for uh, not getting that right. So when we look at that, just had it up here. Where'd it go? Anabekoak. Stand by. 
I had a beautiful page that was pulled up with the graphics and everything. Okay, here it is. Uh, it is Anabekoa Gedulat Yeminecha Tatir Zerua, which is May your right hand untie the bundled sins. Okay, so when we're looking at this word Zerua, that's where that comes from. All right, so back over here. When it's talking about uh, our persona, Yakum, over here from Zarua. And it's important to note, Yakum is literally the word for rise up. So literally rise up from being bound. <laughs> and then you got Yosef, who obviously liked the Mashiach being Yosef. And Shita, which is close to Shitut, which is the word for folly. So you have Yosef of folly and rise up from being bound are the ones who will betray uh, or the scent of betrayal. Those betraying basically the Akira because Yitak is the Akira. So looking at just this piece of commentary alone, we're seeing Yitak, who's the Akira, is smelling betrayal when he's smelling the garments of of. I was going to say smelling the garments of Mashiach, but smelling the garments of Yaakov because the word Begadav is actually the same word as betray those who betrayed him. So the word for his garments and those who betrayed him, that's the same word in Hebrew. It's a it's a homiletic or whatever you want to call it, like a pun. A very, very violent one at that. So. Where I wanted to go with this is when we look at the garments, the garments make Yaakov look like Asav, but yet he smells like Ghani Din. And Ghani Din is basically saying the fragrance of a field. And then Rabbi Griffin, a.k.a. Captain Yisrael, on the Aliyah Day, the special Thanksgiving edition for Aliyah Day 5 of Parsha Toto, goes into this whole thing about the Beit HaMikdash being the field, being Ghani Din. So when you have this, this clash, if you will, or this collision, that something that looks like Asav, but it smells like Ghani Din, and it's actually Yaakov. Here we have this whole picture, this beautiful uh, just overlay. There's a betrayal, but there's actually the true son who wants to be blessed. And the blessings are intended for the son who was destined for Gehenna. Because the reason why, and Shavile Pincus brings this down, at the beginning on page one, that these blessings were intended for Asav because Asav was destined for Gehenna and he did not have life in the Olam Haba. So when you kind of look at that, it's just kind of like, okay, so Asav didn't get that. And ultimately we find out that Asav, he not only didn't get these blessings, but he shouldn't be surprised since he spurned the birthright and sold it. And that was actually going to give him life, but it didn't, um, it wasn't going to give him life, even though it was intended to, because he had already decided, I'm not going to uphold the responsibility that this birthright carries with it. So I'm as good as dead, basically, is what Asaph told himself and spoke to Yaakov and in the incident with the lentils. So when you really look at that, 
Asav was just like, you know, I don't want this birthright. I'll take these blessings, though. These blessings, however, will be the get out of Gehenna for free card. And Hashem is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, Rivka, you're up. All right, okay, I need you to go ahead and take her son, go ahead and clothe him in Asaph, and then go ahead and put him before the, the Akedah, and then, you know, the one who uh, will betray the Akedah will go ahead and make atonement for him too, you know, and you'll just do all this because, you know, your name is synonymous with the grave and the morning, and, you know, what happened with the grave in the morning is that Yeshua came forth, you know, so this whole thing about resurrection, so I want you to you know, bring a little resurrection and life into this whole thing. Okay, so that's how that went down. That's the Shomerman Midrash, okay? Also known as the Amet Ben Mordecai Midrash. Okay, anyway, in case you want to pick that up, uh, I don't know when it's going to be available. But anyway, <laughs> you're listening to it right now. Thank you for joining us on 613.3 Radio. Because, <laughs> you know... Father, Son, Holy Spirit, 613 Commandments. Yeah, that's the only radio station. All right, 613.3 Radio, tuned in live. Thank you for joining us. All right, can I get back to my point? Yes. Okay, so Benny is used eight times. It's the Gematria of Zerur, which is the bundled, the bound uh, that we talk about in the Anabe Koach prayer, which is uh, may your right hand untie the bundle sins, accept the prayer of your beloved ones, rescue us, ransom us, you know, all that teshuva stuff that we pray right after we offer the Corbinote in the morning prayers. And if you are Sephardi custom type prayers, which that's kind of how we roll with uh, Lapid. Well, we're Seth Kanaskin and all sorts of stuff because we're we're Lapid. We, we got it all. We took the kitchen sink and everything. So anyway, um. Yeah, if you do that custom of Sephardi, you'll also pray the Corbinote right before the Ashray during your Minka prayer. So going on, if you look at this whole thing about Teshuva and the, the redemption and all that, this is also Malkut. Yes, I said Malkut because Benny eight times is 496 in Gematria, which is the same Gematria as Malkut. Yes, Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of Shemaim, basically the kingdom of Hashem and his righteousness. What is the righteousness of Hashem? Mm, I'm so glad you asked. Don't we pray this prayer that Hashem desire for the sake of its righteousness? Zidko, something about the righteousness of, oh yeah, the Torah. Hashem wanted to make the Torah great and glorious, and it was for the sake of Yisrael's righteousness. So I'm queuing up my Minka Bracha right here for the Shabbos, right before we do the Torah service uh, during Minka. Uh, some some uh, people get to do that. Uh, we don't get to do that currently. But one day when we don't have a million things going on, and everybody being a million miles apart on Shabbat, we will do this. But until then, just do know there is actually a Torah service that goes with your Minka. So we do the Uva Lezion, which is a whole Romans 11 drop. So just newsflash on that. But anyway, we say this right here. We say, Adonai Chafetz Lema'an Zidko. That Hashem desire for the sake of Yisrael's righteousness. 
So yeah, his righteousness. So the kingdom of Hashem and his righteousness is directly connected to Israel. And it says, Yagdil Torah ve'adir, that the Torah be made great and glorious. So in order for Israel to be righteous, the Torah has to be made great and glorious. And this is called seeking first the kingdom of Hashem and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. That is the definition or that is the gematria of saying Benny eight times as Yitzhak did for his son Yaakov, who he thought was Esau. Now, I want to just throw this in as an aside because I think this is really interesting that the garments were hairy. But yet, it's just kind of like that they have this beautiful smell and we find out that they have this beautiful coloration to them. And, you know, I want to shout out Rebbe Zine Shoshanov, a.k.a. Rebbe Zine Black Widow up in here, uh, our Avenger, throwing down with the batons. She brought out on the Aliyah day when we were talking about the garments that um, Asav got from Nimrod or acquired very heavily, we should say, because he killed him. But uh, Asav killed Nimrod and took the garments that these garments were the garments that were handed down from Adam to Noach, who was stolen by Ham. So Rebbe Zin brought up that these garments were uh, like the, the serpent, the primordial serpent from the garden. It was actually his skin. So, yeah, we got the skin of the Leviathan, the skin of the serpent and the skin of something that Hashem slayed to uh, clothe mankind. And these garments are called garments of skin, but they're the same word if you pronounce the Hebrew word for skin, which is or. And that's the same uh, way you pronounce the word or, which is light. The only difference in the words the word for skin is spelled or with an ayin, and the word for light is spelled or with an olive. So the difference is an ayin versus an olive, which is a 70 versus a one. Now, where have we seen 70 and one? We've seen that because Midrash brings down that Israel is likened to the one sheep that's surrounded by the 70 wolves, which are called the nations. So, Israel, currently, all of mankind were clothed in the 70 of light. And Mashiach is, came and will return again to bring us back to the one, the olive of light. So we have to right now gather in the nations, which is a beautiful time to bring up. Shaul saying this beautiful drop here in the Agarit Rome. So this is going to tag us back to page three of Shonuf Pincus. He says this on the, the left-hand column at the very bottom. It says, thus by calling my son eight times, Yitzhak, basically the Akedah, paved the way for all Yisrael, comma, Yaakov's descendants, comma, to awaken and perform Teshuvah and be saved from the judgment of Gehenna and to merit life in the Olam Haba. In this merit, they would receive the brachot bestowed upon them by Yitzhak. 
So yeah, I just got TBN over here that through the work of the Akira, he paved the way for all of Israel to be saved. So I saw that and I was like, are you kidding me? Because you know what that means. That brings a whole nother elucidation to Yeshiyahu 45:17, where it says, Yisrael has been saved by Adonai with an everlasting Yeshua. So Yeshua is eternal, divine, everlasting. Here it is right here, Yeshiyahu 45:17, And it also says, you will not be put to shame or be disgraced forever and ever. We we say some of that liturgy in the Shema where it talks about may we not be shamed forever and ever. Okay, and then, so here's the Romans 11 drop, the Uva Lezion, a Redeemer shall come to Zion. What is that all connected to? That's all connected to this. Those who make Teshuvah, all Israel being saved, i.e. being unbound from our bundled sins. Okay. So here it is, Egeret Rome, starting in chapter 11, verse 25, and reading from there until I blue screen. Okay. For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own eyes, that a partial, a partial hardening, or some commentary, some translations say a blindness, a partial blindness, has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles, the 70 nations, the Goyim, the idolaters. Because some people are going to rise up from their idolatry. Some people are going to walk out of their graves because that's what Rivka is. Remember, we talked about Rivka being uh, spelled backwards is the grave. And uh, that's in my previous podcast uh, that I released this week. I know there's a lot of hours of podcasting up there, but if you ever get to check any of those out, I do actually connect all my podcasts, believe it or not, as, dis as dispersed as they are, they're all connected. So anyway, um, if you ever hear the term like running gag or whatever for the comedy world, I do that with my podcast. I like to try to find the threads and, and link them together. So if you're listening to all of the different podcasts, at some point you'll see the the little connecting points. But anyway, so with the whole grave thing and the nations... Bringing in the nations, bringing in the 70, because, you know, that's what that is. So when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, i.e. the 70, when we gather the 70, which is the letter Ayin, and in this way, all of Israel will be saved. All the descendants of Yaakov, because not everybody who was born in a Shomer Shabbat household I'm going to change it to, we're not just saying you're born in a Jewish household. Yay, you're great. Because Hashem can raise up Jews out of stones. I mean, sons of Abraham out of stones. I mean, Jews. I mean, stones. What? Yes, because Jews are sons of Abraham. But anyway, um, it's just, what What are you doing though? Are you just claiming Abraham because you got this lineage? Or are you claiming Abraham because you do walk in the way, the truth, and the life? Just saying. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. But anyway. So the Uva Lezion that we pray, like, okay, first of all, at Minka, we prayed this before the Torah service. At Shakarit, we prayed this after the Torah service. It's actually ridiculous because the Uva Lezion is directly connected to Teshuvah and Torah. Like, 
if you just kind of stop and think about that for a second, because at Shakarit, you know, we've been brought back to life from like experiencing a 60th of the resurrection because when we sleep, it's like a 60th of death. And then we go into our morning prayers again, Haboker morning, Rivka, because her name also rearranges to Haboker the morning. So you're coming from the grave in the morning, which again, this is Rivka. So now you have Rivka clothing every Yehudi every morning that they enter into Shakarit with the garments that clothe Yaakov when he went before the Akedah to receive the blessings that would deliver him from Gehenna and bring him into the Olam Haba. Yeah, so that's the that's one of the underlying things of Shakarit, one of the bajillion things of Shakarit. So anyway, so we do this, right? And we go before the Torah, recite blessings, read the Torah, recite closing blessings, and then we go into the Uva Lezion. What? Because it's like, okay, now that you've gone before the Archidai, here's your salvation. All right, let's talk about all Israel being saved. And then, if that wasn't enough, the the morning lamb of the Tamid offering is offered, the daily lamb that's slain for our atonement, because the daily lamb is a morning and afternoon. It's a two-part, but two parts of one piece that all connects back to the Akedah. So the Akedah is actually experienced every day, not only when we read it, before our shakari prayer, but when we offer the morning and evening lamb. So yeah, there's that. So that, And remember those two lambs, the morning one is represented by Yitzhak, the evening one is represented by Yeshua. So you have Yitzhak and Yeshua, the, the two sons who are bound, basically. And remember, even when Yitzhak was bound, it was still Yeshua that was offered, but it was accredited to Yitzhak because Yitzhak actually did die and Yitzhak was already willing to. And since he was willing to, it was accredited to him as righteousness because that's how faith works. So you're looking at all this and the Akedah being the Tamid offering, you know, that's how those things are connected. And when we have that we have the morning, we have the resurrection, we have the repentance going on, and then we go right into the Uvalezion, which the Uvalezion is the deliverer shall come out of Zion, he shall turn away ungodliness from Yaakov, i.e., he shall make a way for those who repent from willful sin. Next verse, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So all I basically just said to all this is so all Israel is saved through the Akedah. Or if you want to be real technical, all Israel is saved through the work or the blessings of the Akedah. Which made me think about why did Yeshua come in and bless the Talmudim after his resurrection, as in Yochanan chapter 20, when it says uh, in verse 19, it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the where the Talmudim were for fear of the Judean leaders. Yeshua came and stood in their midst and he said to them, Shalom Aleichem. 
After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the Talmudim rejoiced when they saw Adonai. Man, they called this guy Adonai. Like, I mean, we called him Adonai. We still call him Adonai. Okay, Bukshim. Yeshua said to them, Shalom Aleichem. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After this, or and after he said this, he breathed on them. Notice that Yitzhak breathed on Yaakov when he gave him the blessings. Because when, you, when you're talking, you're breathing out. So he breathes in. He smells the garments. He smells Ghani Din. And then he breathes out all these blessings. Okay. So Yeshua breathes, and remember Yeshua just came from Ghani Den because he said to the thief on the crucifixion stake next to him, hey, today you'll be with me in Ghani Den. Yes, paradise. Because that's where we're going, and then we'll be right back. Or I'll be right back. You can stay there because you probably don't want to come back. Anyway, uh, receive the Ruach HaKodesh. So he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Ruach HaKodesh. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. But if you hold back, they are held back. Wow. So the power of forgiveness now is bestowed through the Ruach HaKodesh. Okay. Because we're talking about this whole thing about the garments being the betrayers. And we're making a way for those who betray us to actually be brought into uh, basically Teshuvah. And forgiveness, basically, and Olam Haba, deliver them from Gehenna. So here's the thing. So when we look at this passage about Yehuda, uh, because it's talking about the heretics. So in page three, let me go. Shavile Pincus over here, back over here. Page three, right hand column. It says, in other words, Yitzhak sensed the pleasing scent of Yisrael's heretics, Yosef of Shita and Yakum of Zurot, who performed Teshuva at the ends of their lives, as attested by the heavenly voice, they earned life in the Alam Haba. This right here made me think of Yehuda, because at the end of his life, he made Teshuva. And he was a heretic all the whole time he was with Yeshua, because Yeshua was like, all right, uh, smell you. Okay, you should follow me. You smell like the field that Hashem is blessed, you betrayer. Because that's <laughs> Yeshua knowing Yehuda was going to betray him. Still said, come with me. Follow me. You got to do your thing. I got to do my thing. Here we go. I want to point out something that's really interesting because, you know, when we look at the Gematriot, uh, 358 is the Gematria of Mashiach. And it's also the same Gematria as Nakash. And so we have this whole thing about the Nakash is what Hasatan used in the garden to cause us to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it also says about the Nakash in, uh, let's see here, where is it at? Did I put it down here? Ah, Luke 22, verse 3. The Satan entered into Yehuda, the one from Kriot, one of the 12. So for this betrayal thing to take place, you have... The same thing that happened in the garden with the Satan entering to the Nakash, it also entered into Yehuda and caused him to betray Yeshua. And remember, Yeshua, Mashiach, 358, so you have Nakash versus Mashiach. 
basically Yeshua is Mashiach 358 versus Yehuda, the Nechash, like the serpent 358. And it's a head on thing. And even Yeshua causes the Nechash that used to bruise us, bruise our heel and cause us to fall and sin. Yeshua crushes his head and in the process gets his heel bruised by being pierced. But he even brings Teshuva out of what the Satan used. And and this is the power of the Ruach HaKodesh that Yeshua just breathed onto the Talmud. And he's like, hey, if you forgive people, they'll be forgiven. If you hold back, they, they won't be forgiven. You know, and then you have to track that all the way back to Yeshua's drosh from the mountain. Just like when the Torah was given, it was given from a mountain. Yeshua, when he first made himself public ministry, he was teaching on a mountain. So it was like a, a small scale version of Mount Sinai when we look at Matthew 5 through 8. But anyway, in the passage, he talks about how we need to be people who forgive. And so if you think about not forgiving anybody and it's like, well, yeah, if you don't forgive, they won't be forgiven. But what are you doing to yourself? Because you're going to have to ask forgiveness from Hashem. And yet if you're holding back forgiveness from other people, uh, that's going to be a little awkward when you have something that you need to make forgiveness for. And furthermore, this is already nipped in the proverbial bud <laughs> by the sages because they've already given us liturgy about forgiveness, not only in the Shemonei Esrei, the Amidah, but in the bedtime Shema, the Kriyat Shema, which is interesting because Kriyat, Kriyot, that's pretty close. Anyway, so back to Yehuda making Teshuvah at the end of his life because he was a betrayer, just like what's brought up here in Shavile Pincus. Matthew 26, through, uh, verse 14, it says, Then one of the twelve, the one called Yehuda Kriot, went to the ruling Kohanim and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? And they weighed out 30 shekels of silver for him. We give the price of a female slave. And then it says, from then on, Yehuda began looking for a chance to hand him over. Skipping forward to verse 20. Now, when it was evening, Yeshua was reclining at the table with the 12 because it was Pesach, Seder time. That's why they're reclining. Why on this night we lean and all other nights we don't. We sit upright at a table. Yep, because it's Pesach talk. Okay, so verse 21. As they were eating, he said, Amen, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Because I'm smelling garments right now, and uh, somebody got the betrayal smell going on. But they're going to make Teshuvah, but they're still going to betray me, and that's going to be sad. They're going to make Teshuvah at the end of their life, which is going to be great, but it's going to be sad because that's the end of their life. But, I keep going, skipping to Matthew 27, starting at verse 3. It says, Then Yehuda, the betrayer, the begadav, the garments, basically, to tie back to our Torah portion, says, Yehuda saw that Yeshua had been condemned, feeling remorse. He brought the 30 silver pieces back to the ruling Kohanim and elders, saying, I've sinned betraying innocent blood. 
Now we got the innocent blood of Hevel. So he's even making atonement for Cain now because Hevel or Cain was like, ain't my brother's keeper and da 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 da. Which, you know, we did have the beautiful drosh brought down by Captain Israel on the previous Shabbat of him going through the journey of Genesis and uh, spending some time talking about Cain actually making teshuva um, partially <laughs> for uh, killing Hevel, Abel, basically. And so here you have this whole idea that um, Abel's blood was considered to be innocent blood and it was crying out to Hashem. And then you have Yehuda over here saying, no, I've betrayed innocent blood. I've acted just like Cain. I've been controlled by the Satan. I repent. I'm sorry. Here's everything back. So, I mean, that's that's some serious atonement going on right there. Some serious returning, some serious teshuva, like. If you really just kind of line all those dots up and it goes on to say, but they said, but they said these Romans, because uh, he, um, here's the beautiful, here's the crazy beautiful thing is that this group of people right here are supposed to be people who have the voice of Yaakov. So they have the, they're supposed to embody the essence of descendants of Yaakov, but they are wearing the garments of Edom, which is also Asav. Asav was named Edom from the incident of the lentils. Yeah, that give me some of that red stuff. Give me some of that red stuff. Just pour it down my throat. So now you have the proverbial Yaakov clothed in Asav, and they're acting like Asav and not like Yaakov. Because that's how sold out to Rome they were. This is why the fig tree withered when Yeshua was ready to come and bring the redemption. But it was just like, nope. Even the people who are in charge of the priesthood in the temple right now are like, no, nah, we don't want no redemption. We'll take exile. Yeshua's like, I, I came here. I was going to go ahead and come on the clouds of glory because y'all were going to be worthy. Like some Sanhedrin 98 stuff. But... Now I'm going to have to do the other part of San Angel 98. Now I got to come in riding on a donkey because y'all are not worthy of redemption, but I still got to bring it because we should have had it already. But everybody's looking around at Edom thinking it's all good. They like their little naked Olympic game parties. They like not keeping the Shabbat, not having to worry about circumcising yourself and all that kind of stuff, abrogating the Torah. Like they, they're all about entertainment. So it's great. So... Now I can't bring the fullness of the redemption. But you know what? Hashem is merciful. He sent me here for this purpose to bring the redemption. So let's go ahead and begin to gather in the Gentiles. Because now that I've offered salvation to the Jews and they've rejected it, well, all Israel has to be saved. So let's go get the rest of the lost sheep. I've started with the house of Israel. Now I'm going to go out to the nations. And that's what's been going on for 2000 years, kind of. Because the people who were in charge of ensuring that that mission continues, their proverbial wells, let's do some partial told out connections, their wells got plugged up by Philistines. That's right. The church got hijacked by some Roman Catholics, some Constantinian stuff, some Christmas caroling, little little Easter bunnying, you know, some uh, chocolate heart eating. And, uh, hey, it's plastic banana, fun time, rock and roll, not so much good times. 
That's that's what's happening. So now, in these final days, it's left to us, Lapide. What are we going to do? Avengers, assemble, right? Let's get it on. Let's let's go off. You know, bring in that redemption. Like light it up. Tor is so true. It's it's right here. You know, and so got to finish gathering in those divine sparks. And if you've heard my food fight podcast on the Parsha Chaye Sarah part two, um, it talks about you can gather in divine sparks through eating. So for those of you who'd rather eat than fight, or which is kind of not really a true statement, because first of all, we're Avengers, the violent take about force, and that's what we do anyway. But by the way, when you eat, uh, you will be fighting because there's a whole thing about elevating divine sparks through your food. So the fact that you go out and look for hexures, you prepare your meal without mixing meat and dairy, you say your before and after blessing, you say something Torah related while you're eating. If you don't, you say Mayim Akronim Chova, which is just basically a saying that you can do before the afterwater blessings. If you partake of bread during your meal, you can do the fingertip washing of your fingertips. The fingertip washing of wow. The fingertip washing of your hands. Wow. Okay. After you eat. And that's called the Mayim acronym or the after waters. I have a whole podcast on that, believe it or not, called the hand washing gospel. But anyway, uh, enough of this shameless plugs. But when we look at that, um, you have this whole picture here of bringing in the lost sheep, which is the mission of Mashiach ben Yosef. And Mashiach ben Yosef is supposed to gather in all the exiles unto the coming of Mashiach ben David. And we know that when Mashiach Yeshua returns, he will be, or he currently is anyway, he's always been, because the two Mashiachs are actually one, uh, that he will return as Mashiach ben David, and that's to begin the Olam Haba, the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash, and all that wonderfulness. So the Bonai Yerushalayim, the builder of Yerushalayim prayer, will be fulfilled. So, Yehuda... Kriot at the end of his life makes teshuva because through these eight blessings that Yitzhak bestowed upon Yaakov and his descendants, all Yisrael is saved. Because uh, to finish out this Matthew 27 passage, the the ruling Kohanim, they said in verse four, or yeah, in verse four, they said, what's that to us? You see to it yourself. After tossing the money or after tossing the silver into the temple sanctuary, he left. Then he went off and hanged himself, which uh, strangulation is one of the uh, death penalties. And it's actually the death penalty for one who's a kidnapper. And, um, you know, Yehuda did kidnap Yosef, just like the brothers did. They kidnapped Yosef and threw him into a pit. So there's that uh, craziness. But he went off, he hanged himself. And we should know that if you put all these context clues together, that the eight blessings bestowed upon Yaakov, which means they reach all the way to uh, Yehuda Kriot, that um, Yehuda Kriot had remorse. He brought the money back and he, he made his verbal confession. I mean, this is Teshuvah on 1100 right here. Like, not only does he have it in his heart, he confesses it, he does some sort of action, and he goes ahead and puts himself under his own death penalty because why? 
There's not even a Sanhedrin to give a proper death penalty because they're all bought out by Rome. Like they couldn't, like the Sanhedrin was so taken over by Hydra. Let's go ahead and use some uh, Marvel stuff. They were so taken over by Hydra that they couldn't even do the Sota ritual. The woman suspected of adultery, even if they tried. Because, well, there's a whole lot to that. But let's just say they they couldn't even do that. So they can't even give a proper death penalty. And again, this is why Yeshua was uh, killed in the way that he was, because, you know, they couldn't even they had to go to Pilate, basically, to to get him, you know, 86th, which interesting because the gematria of 86 is Elohim. So they're like, why don't we go ahead and Elohim Elohim over here? Interesting. All right. So. In Acts, the writings of Acts, chapter one, verse 16 and forward, it says, brothers, this is Kepha talking, scripture, the Kitve HaKodesh, the Torah, the prophets and the writings, the Tanakh, that's what he's talking about. The Tanakh had to be fulfilled, which the Ruach HaKodesh foretold by the Mount of David. Good night. Did, did he really just say the Holy Spirit? the scriptures as what was brought forth through David. Like he just made those connections. Side note that the Midrash Rabbah does say that the Ruach HaKodesh is the scripture, the Holy scripture. And it's also important to note that the Midrash of Tehillim brings down the, why are there five books of Tehillim? Because there are five books of Torah. And if you uh, take the Tehillim and the Torah, they are actually compared to each other. So, yeah, even our Torah has two Mashiachs within itself because you have the Torah and then you have the Tehillim. But anyway, I digress. So the it was foretold by the mouth of David concerning Yehuda, who became a guide to those who seized Yeshua, for he was counted among us and received the share of this office. Now, this man, Yehuda bought a field with the reward of his wickedness. Falling head first, he burst open in the middle and his intestines splattered out. Okay, this is extra details. Okay. And it became known to all those living in Jerusalem. So in their own language, that field was called Akel Dama. That is the field of blood. And it goes on to say, for it is written in the book of Tehillim, let his dwelling place become desolate and let there be no living in it and let another take his position. Why don't we go ahead and, and conclude with some of those Tehillim that it's bringing up right here. So I'm going to go ahead and go to these footnotes and pull this up and Acts chapter Uno. And verse 20. All right. So first one up is Tehillim 69.26. I also got to do a Tehillim this week on the podcast. So that was pretty fun. Normally I don't get to do those because I lead those to Shlomo. A.K.A. Ish Pela 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 Pela. Hey. Uh, yeah. So hopefully he'll get himself going up pretty soon 
Maybe on the uh, Lapid Judaism channel, but we'll see. All right, uh, 626. Let their place be, let their palace, I say a place, wow. Let their palace become desolate. Commentary, don't chicken out on me. Don't chicken out on me. No commentary on 26, of course. Uh, okay. So you're not going to comment there. That's not acceptable. But let's look at the next one. It says, let their let another take their position. I think this is really cool that it was already prophesied that there was going to be a substitution. Oh, there's another Toldot t connection, a little switcheroo going on that Yehuda was going to be chosen. But through his betrayal, he would actually be switched out for another and many of us know this, but just because it's fun to say, the 13th Talmud was not Shaul. He was not considered to be one of the 12. So, uh, yeah, just because, you know, I think it's interesting to say that because sometimes, no, a lot of times, if not all, the 12 Talmudim are undercut for the writings of Shaul and no one ever quotes uh, Kepha or Yaakov or Yehuda, for that fact, uh, any of the 12 uh, it, from their writings to talk about how we should actually be living and how we should be actually refraining from lawlessness. Everybody's like, no, we don't have to do the law. We're free from that. And we're not under law anymore. We're under grace. And, you know, don't let nobody judge you about your holidays. And it's just like, okay. That, that is, uh, you probably want to stop what you're doing, return to Yeshua, and start from there. But anyway, but, you know, it's not our job to do that, to tell people that I'm going to put you in a chokehold until you realize that you should put the yoke of the kingdom of heaven on you, because it's much lighter than my chokehold. But we're not allowed to choke people anyway, so there's that. All right, Telling 109, verse 8. Please tell me you got commentary on this that says, may his days be few and may another usurp his position as master over his estate. Come on. Nope. All right. So we are silent on these pieces of commentary. That's interesting. Okay, so... What's going on in verse six? Appoint a wicked man over him and let an adversary stand ready at his hand, at his right. So let's just look at this because this is an Asaph drop. And I wanted to connect this to uh, Yehuda, but I guess we'll see what happens. All right. This is a Midrash uh, here from Tankuma Toldot 11. Beautiful connection to the Barja. Okay. When Yitzhak wished to bless Esau and sent him to fetch some meat, God delayed Esau. Mm. Mm. Selah. Esau would capture a deer, tie it up, then run off to capture another. In the meantime, the Satan would come and untie the deer so that when Esau returned, he could not find it. 
This occurred several times, giving Yaakov the opportunity to receive the blessings before Esau returned. This is alluded to in the present verse. Appoint a wicked man over him. Let an adversary, the Satan, stand at his right. That's from Tankuma Toldot 11. Uh, wow. Okay. And since we're talking about Malkut, because Benny eight times, uh, in commentary on verse four of the same Telling 109, says, In return for my love, they hate me still. I am a man of prayer. I prayed for their needs. Which, by the way, I believe this is the verse. Yep. I need to feel I am prayer. That's what the Hebrew literally says. All right. So Hasidut brings down the Arizal explains that the statement Ani Tefila, I am prayer is made by the divine faculty of Malkut. So when we look at the blessings that are bestowed upon Yaakov and his descendants, Benny eight times, which is Malkut, it's all about prayer. Now, goes on to say, if the verse alludes to Malkut's prayer, why is it worded so emphatically Ani? which this unabashed self-proclamation hardly seems fitting for Malkut, which is the most humble of the Sephirot. In the case of Malkut, the word for prayer, tefillah, indicates union. Thus, Malkut is expressing the fact that its entire being is the unification with God's reality. The ani, the I am, is, a, is not a brazen sentiment. It is the modest feeling of one whose entire being is one with God. That's brought down from the Rebbe. Sikot Kodesh 5735, Volume 2, pages 405 through 407. So, we are to be prayer. We are bound up. And we have the opportunity to be released and set free from our own sin. There's much more that I wanted to get into about us being covered as Asav and um, how we get identified as Christian all the time. And we should be happy about that because, you know, our money is where our mouth is. And um, you can call us Christian all day, but at the end of the day, we still going to get this Torah. You know what I'm saying? So that'll be me just summarizing copious amounts of midrashim and things that i've gotten to glean from this week uh from the likes of benny b of ladder of jacob g shekel which is gadai with bet yisrael dr sakal shouts out to dr sakal and from um this new thing i'm into now it's called 13 petals still a uh, suspect but uh i'm checking that into customs to figure out if i like it or not and if it's legit, so uh, stand by for that. And uh, Yehuda Liebs, who is a scholar of today, dropping some amazing uh, historical facts about the first, quote unquote, Christians who were followers of Yeshua and his Talmudim that were in synagogue. Yes, that's right. Christians are they belong in synagogues, not churches, because if you're truly a Christian, you would actually convert and be called a Jew and identify yourself as one of the sons of Abraham and you would go to shul and you would keep the Shabbat. 
So there's all this that's brought down and why the whole uh, who causes salvation to sprout forth as we pray Matzmiah Kirin Yeshua and the Shimonei Esrei. Uh, that also came from some liturgy that was influenced by the Talmudim and their followers and uh, people of that generation. So it was, it was just a whole beautiful thing. And so just mashing all these up together to kind of give you my last little um, just takeaway from this week's Parsha of Toldot is that, you know, we are... Yaakov covered in the garment of Asav, and that is the way to unify Yeshua because the name of Yeshua is stretched between Asav and Yaakov. Uh, let me go ahead and give you that verse. Uh, you can look at um, do, 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 Parsha Toldot, and uh, it's talking about Yaakov uh, grabbing on to the or grabbing onto the heel of Asaph, uh Yaakov. So where Yaakov gets his name in this week's Torah portion. Uh, let's see. I got this from Dr. Sakal. He kind of just zapped this into me real quick. So make sure I got some coordinates. Of course, he didn't give me coordinates. But you should know that Asaph. Vayikra Shemo Yaakov. So Esau, and he called his name Yaakov. Um, that verse. Let's see. There we go. Okay. Should be twenty-five, twenty-six. Let me go ahead and make sure. Yep. Bergashem. Bereshi 2526. So, yeah. So, Yeshua's name is right there. And then uh, one of the things that Dr. Sakal circled here is in the previous verse that Vayotse or Vayetse Harishon. And the first one came out, the firstborn. And this is all talking about Yeshua, but that Yeshua is connected only when Yaakov is wearing the garments of Asaph, which really is the garments that Hashem gave to us when we um, fell from grace in the garden. So to put all this together, if Lapid is uh, ever uh, called, you know, or criticized, oh, you're just a bunch of Christians, da, 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 it's like, oh, okay, so we received all eight blessings from the Akedah. What else can we tell you? We're people of Teshuvah. We are, um, you know, destined for the Alam Haba by the, the grace of Hashem. And uh, we desire to uphold his word. And that's what we do. So, you know, we'll just go over here and light candles and keep the Shabbat while you keep telling us we're Christian. And we'll keep eating kosher and we'll keep studying the Torah and we'll keep growing in wisdom and stature with the help of Hashem. And may Hashem make us worthy of the days of the Olam Haba and the life or the return of seeing the days of Mashiach and the days of the Olam Haba, which is Harakaman who limot Mashiach ulkaye ha'olam haba. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Thank you for joining me. Parsha told out and we out. 
Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher natan lanu Torah emet, Vechayeholam natabetokeinu, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten ha Torah, Amen.